0: welcome to the x29 podcast i'm your host jeff metters diversity is a trendy topic in our culture and it often elicits very strong opinions in these divided times But the Church of Jesus Christ, we love diversity because our triune God loves it. Our triune God is transforming sinners into saints from every tribe, people, and language. The Church really is a mosaic of mercy. Though our enemy tries to convince us that we're more divided than ever, we remain steadfast to the biblical ethic of unity through Christ, regardless of any and all of our differences. Pursuing diversity doesn't amplify divisiveness. It's actually an outflow of gospel unity. This is why Acts 29 is committed to always being a diverse global family. Tyler St. Clair joins me on the podcast today to talk about planting and leading diverse churches. Tyler is the lead pastor of Cornerstone Church Detroit in Detroit, Michigan, and he also serves as the network lead for Church in Hard Places and Acts 29's U.S. Midwest Network. So, Tyler, welcome to the show. What up, though? Good to see you, man. Yeah, man. I'm so glad to hear that you're a you're a James Harden wearing uh, sneak, <laughs> sneaker sneakerhead. Uh, learned this before the show, so so big big thank you for that.
1: Just for you, baby. Just for you. I put on my heart.
0: <laughs> I have volume one, two, three, four of my James Harden shoes, but I'm a little nervous about wearing them now. Uh, and actually, I'm really nervous right now because at the time that we're recording, I think NBA trade the, the trades can start right now, and so I'm nervous, man too many rumors
1: well your team is going to stink like mine pretty soon so
0: very much we may end up with blake griffin what do you think about that westbrook for griffin are you okay with that
1: uh, i'm not a westbrook guy I, I love the way he plays i love his mentality yeah but he's going to shoot 35 times a game and maybe hit five to six
0: yes he's, so he's not not good
1: but his attitude, his demeanor on the court, I love it. The swag. But This is
0: this is what I love about him. He had he has that Kobe Mamba mentality. Mm-hmm. Without the skill.
1: Or jump shot, especially jump yeah. shot. <laughs> he
0: has he has the mentality but not the skill. Harden has the skill but not the mentality. Yeah. And if we could just add them together.
1: Combine them. Make yeah. one person. Can you do yeah. that possible?
0: Yeah. Like, well, a, we'll, like a
1: science experiment. Just combine right. the two guys.
0: That's right. Some kind of Franken basketball Stein player. There we go. <laughs> well, well. before this turns into an Acts 29 uh, basketball podcast, which I think Brian Howard would love um, <laughs> on, on one way. Uh, so, Tyler, tell us about yourself, uh, your family and uh, Detroit, and how, maybe even if we have time, how you came to faith.
1: Yeah, I'll give you the um, I'll give you the speed dating version of how I came to faith. Um, born and raised in the church. Um, the running joke, uh, the running joke is I was a drug baby. That means I was drugged to church every single <laughs> Sunday. Um, like my grandmother went to church. My grandmother was the church lady. So, uh, I grew up in church. Church wasn't in me. Um, I had issues with God. I had issues with, I had major father issues because of uh, the abandonment of my father. So when I heard God was a father that never resonated with me. Mm-hmm. Um, and I would walk into my church every every Sunday and see this massive uh, Anglo blue eyed, blue haired Jesus, blue, blue haired, blonde, uh, blonde hair, blue eyed Jesus and yeah. wanted nothing. To, we didn't have a blue haired Jesus. That would be kind of weird. But uh, this Anglo Jesus. And I wanted nothing to do with that as a young black man growing up in Detroit. So at the age of 18, you know, I kind of ran the streets a little bit, you know, um, at the age of um, 18 on my 18th birthday. I was I was done with God. I "Yeah, I'm I'm straight on that. I'm off that. Um, And then one year later, when I turned 19, I was uh, (laughs) confessing, weeping at the altar, uh, Mm. surrendering my life to Jesus. Um, Just a friend of mine became a Christian and I I saw the literal transformation in his life. He took me to a men's gathering. And uh, as they say, the rest is history. At the age of 19, it it was um, September 2001. I I gave my life to the Lord Jesus. I surrendered all. And right after that, I knew I I felt called to be a pastor. Um, I didn't know what that looked like at 19. Again, I was a dude who didn't want anything to do with church. And now I'm coming in and saying, I want to be a pastor. And everyone, family, everyone thought I was losing my mind. (laughs) But uh, at 19, I said, I I want to spend the rest of my life um, in pastoral ministry in the city of Detroit. And it's it's been almost twenty years. Yeah, it has been twenty years. Good grief. Wow. Uh no, nineteen, nineteen. It's been nineteen years, and uh, the Lord has just been really, really, really kind.
0: Mm, man, hallelujah. Yeah. I love it. I love it, brother. Um, so what's it like? So I'm I'm in Houston. I lived in mm-hmm. Houston my whole I've been here my whole life. I've mm-hmm. moved I've moved a few times around different different parts of Houston. And so what's it like living in Detroit, Michigan? Um how how's Detroit different um you know from, from other cities? Yeah,
1: so um, I grew up in Detroit, born and raised. um, Spent a couple years in and out of the city. Went away for college for a couple years. Spent a couple years living in the burbs, but the 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 majority of my life has been in the city of Detroit. And it's interesting. So I grew up in. I'm I'm 39. Uh, I grew up in crack era Detroit, like all of the bad that everyone knows nationwide. Uh, Devil's Night, where we would burn half the city down. Drugs rampant, crime rampant, um, everything, all of the bad. Um, I remember seeing growing up as a kid and and my family doing their best to shield me from that. Um, so what's so interesting now is there is a that was Detroit, you know, so now there is a, a bit of a new Detroit, old Detroit, you know, and I hate to use the word gentrification, but just change, Cultural change. There is. There's still an element of new Detroit. Uh, there's still an element of old Detroit, where there is just the the poverty, extreme poverty, broken school system, broken social system, broken family. All of the brokenness. Uh, that, that's why we named our uh, church Cornerstone Church Detroit. We we wanted to see uh, broken lives, broken families, and broken communities rebuilt on the cornerstone of Christ. So there still is that old Detroit, that brokenness. But there's a new Detroit. There is. Dog walking and coffee shops mm. and falafel places. I don't know what a falafel is. I just know that they <laughs> sell them now. Um, there is an element of renewal and there is a, uh, an element of uh, influx of people can move it into the city. In 19, I believe it was 67, we had the riots of Detroit where the city bur- burned for multiple days. And it was just it just Google Detroit riots, 1967. Um, and that was the beginning of white flight where where um, white citizens in Detroit, literally by the thousands, hundreds of thousands moved to the suburbs. And now we're seeing the reverse of that. We're seeing um, white singles, white families. Um, and uh, upwardly mobile uh, African Americans move back to the city, so it's it's this this new Detroit and old Detroit um, kind of going head to head.
0: Yeah, I don't. You know, Detroit is one of the if those famous cities of the United States. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I, I don't. What, what's the population? Do you know like where it lands? Like, Around
1: think- six hundred eighty thousand.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So it's not even one of the bigger cities mm-hmm. um, or Houston. In the greater Houston area, we're close to five, six million people. Um, it's it's a massive city. The traffic's mm-hmm. a nightmare. It's It takes forever. There's another X29 church, still a part of the Houston area. They're an hour, almost an hour and a half away from me. Yeah, that's nuts. Um, <laughs> it, it's, it's crazy. And so just to think about the differences in all these cities, but people hear Detroit and they think Motor City, they, we, they may not think Detroit Pistons any, any longer. They shouldn't. Um, they shouldn't. Um, you've got a baseball team, right? The Tigers. Um, they're in, but Detroit is one of those famous cities. Mm-hmm. Um, and the diversity we, we piece. Gave that, you,
1: we gave you cars and we gave you multi-music.
0: That's right. Two great things
1: yeah two to amazing things yeah thank you
0: <laughs> we'll give all the credit to mr tyler st clair for, for this, this beautiful music that we get to listen to checks um,
1: payable too i'm just joking
0: <laughs> <laughs> but you know we, we brought you on to talk about leading um di- diverse churches mm-hmm. um and so what what is the makeup right now of, of cornerstone church detroit well, f- well first before you answer that how, how long have you guys been a part of x29 now
1: uh, we just celebrated four years. Uh, we launched as acts 29 church. Uh, we okay. celebrated four years of public ministry in October.
0: okay, cool, cool mm-hmm. okay so what's what's the makeup of Cornerstone Church Detroit?
1: So uh, I'm gonna give you pre-COvid um, because yeah, there's that. Um, so we were around fifty five to sixty percent African American um, around forty five to fifty it, it kind of you know depends on the Sunday. Um, white um, and 75% I would say 75 to 80% of the people who uh, attend, on a, get, uh, attend on a Sunday regularly live in the city so uh, and we had a, a handful of families and couples who would come in from the suburbs but not a ton and I would say half the people black and white um, I would say 50% live within three miles of where we meet and that's kind of what we aim for we want to be a neighborhood church um, we want to be a neighborhood church for old Detroit slash new Detroit, uh, the families who's been here forever, three, four generation Detroiters and families who just moved in and looking for a a healthy church. Um, our, our biggest. What's interesting, like I talk to I talk to pastors all the time and they say that um, they're having issues with, you know, millennials and reaching millennials like my church is full hmm. of millennials. I'm th- I'm thirty five and I'm like grandpa. In our church, <laughs> Feel, uh, there's a there, there's a handful of uh, couples and, and folks around my age, but mostly everybody is millennial and down. Um, but our, our biggest d- diversity um, is wh- where I see it play out the most is socioeconomically.
0: Right. Yeah, it's like when people think about diversity, we often go to on what to ethnic diversity, which is right. huge, which is a huge one. But there are so many different kinds of, um, diversities present in the, in the local church. We've got socioeconomic, we've got, Mm -hmm. um, education diversity, um, uh, male, female diversity. Um, there's a lot of different things that that we've got to pay, pay attention to. Um, and it's clear, you know, if we think about the new Testament, um, unity admits diversity was a, was clearly an issue in the first century too.
1: Yeah.
0: Um they have the the racial diversity tensions that were there. Uh, you think about with Jesus and the woman at the well, we can go to the book of Acts and see oh, yeah. the the challenges there uh, with the um with the widows and, and the division that was happening, uh Paul and Peter there in and, and Galatians. Um but we also see um gender struggles uh mm-hmm. male and female um i mean there there are a lot of different kinds of diversities we've got to pay attention to in yeah. in the church um why do you think it's still a struggle for us i mean 20 centuries later here we are now <laughs> um yeah. and we're having you know not the same conversation but we're, we're talking about the same subject still
1: yeah, yeah. man I, I would say just because of human nature um I our paint with a somewhat of a broad brush, but um our natural default is to avoid discomfort. Right. Um and as Americans, we've <laughs> uh I'll just say it. We've built this the American dream way of life based on comfort. Yeah. And I can frame my life in such a way that I avoid or attempt to avoid as much discomfort as possible. And um, diversity makes people uncomfortable. Um, Worshipping, living around uh, people who vote differently from you, people who um, somewhat, somewhat vehemently oppose your political uh, views, um, that's uncomfortable to people. And why would I choose that?
0: <laughs> right, I could right. go
1: to my nice, safe, middle class. Uh, fluent, upperly mobile, predominantly white church and avoid that. Or I can stay in my traditional black denominational church and avoid that as well. So, I mean, yeah, it's, I can, I can reduce the amount of hard conversations I have to have. Um, I can avoid the tension and I can just avoid interacting with people that I don't understand. And I don't choose to interact with, um, by worshiping at a certain place,
0: right? Yeah, man, you're you're so on, on the money because it is just a part of our our sinful nature. Yep. Um, you know, sin. You know, you hear the phrase talk about you know uh, things heal with time, time heals things. <clears throat> no, <laughs> like not at t- all. T- time is not healing um, racism. Time is not healing our discomfort with diversity. Um, mm-hmm. Every every sinner that's born um, from you know, no matter how old you are, we are going to mm-hmm. have um, this total depraved nature that needs to yeah. be renewed by the power yeah. of the Holy Spirit. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, in uh, one level, I'm not discouraged that we keep having the, the conversation um, yeah. because just like we have the conversation about um, finances, we have the conversation um, about how to repent of lust. Uh, we but, have conversations about marriage issues. This is all a part of discipleship with the risen Christ, 100%. and so yeah, so we we got to keep having these conversations, and mm-hmm. that's why I'm I'm not discouraged by these conversations.
1: Me, me either, bro. Because think about it in the church, somewhat I wasn't around 50 years ago, but based on talking to people who were around 50 years ago and reading, they weren't having this discussion, right. You know, so that that brings me some comfort that we're we're, tr- we're trending in the right direction just by the fact that we're having these discussions.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Like you, you hear the phrase all the time. We got to go back to the early church. We got to go back to the first century. Mm-hmm. OK, let, let's do that then. Let's have the conversation. Mm-hmm. Let's yeah. let's let's have a Jerusalem council. Let's, Mm -hmm. let's have a a meeting between Paul and a Peter and talk about Mm -hmm. how we need to be loving, um, ethnic minorities and and making sure that we're loving people who aren't the majority culture and how we're going to integrate and be united in Christ. And so let's, so let's talk about that, just from stuff that you've learned and what you're doing. What, what are some things that you've seen and how you're leading um, your church to, to be more diverse um, or to really just walk faithfully in that diversity? Yeah. What are some practical things you could think of?
1: Yeah, that, that's what I was, I was going to lead off with that. Um, and a shout out to Dr. Tony Marita. I read this in his commentary because I'm preaching through Acts right now. Okay, um, And he made the point that we don't create unity we maintain the unity that the lord jesus purchased with his blood you know right. we know it ephesians 2 he tore down the wall he made us all one galatians 3 there's neither jew nor greek bond nor free male nor female but we're all one in christ jesus so um we don't create the unity it's already been created it's already been established uh by the risen savior but it is our job to maintain it so yeah. i would say first it's it's a it's a mindset of Jesus did this. Now, it's our um, responsibility to walk out practically and maintain what the Lord Jesus already established. So that's first. Um, secondly, something that that we often have, uh, the conversation we have in our church and a conversation I have with brothers and sisters around this topic is um, our aim is unity, not uniformity. Our, yeah. our aim is to be one in Christ. And when I say that, it's not one in Christ and politics and secondary issues and agree on justice and agree on homeschooling and agree on mass. You know, that's, that's never going to happen. So many where I see, where I see unity break down in the churches, we think that we have to agree on all those issues Uh, instead of just maintaining the unity that the Lord Jesus created Based on the gospel, based on scripture, based on um, carrying out the Great Commission. So it's not my job to create um, Tyler clones and have uniformity in my church. Mm. It's not my job to make you agree with every nuance of how I view justice, how I view matters of race, how I view matters of, you know, education and the virus. That's not my job. Like I, I've been, I've been, uh, I've been inches away from just <laughs> disappearing from social media because I don't get why pastors think that that that, that is their responsibility. Like my job is to be uh, the shepherd that the Lord's called me to be. My That's job right. is to be faithful to scripture um, my job is not to pastor my people in such a way that they are in lockstep with an agreement with my views. Um, my job is to declare the word of God, um, s- declare how God, de- declare how God views these matters of politics and race and justice. But heart change ultimately belongs to him. Um, and, and, and there never may be this total alignment of, you know, everyone sees these issues the same way. Right. That's that's uniformity. You know, and that's not that's not what we're called to do. Our our our, our job is to be um, have that oneness and unity of the gospel and have those difficult discussions, have those hard conversations and realize that it's not my job to convince you. It's not your job to convince me. We have the conversation. Hopefully we both learn and grow in the grace of the Lord Jesus and get a better perspective of each other. But it's not uniformity. Yeah. And uh, I would say lastly is what I call intentional discomfort. intentional discomfort. Uh, Again, I keep going back to this, this thing of, of of comfort in the church because we plan our lives and even plan the way we worship in church life based on what is easiest. So how we do body life in our churches, like you don't get to choose who you necessarily interact with. You may be put in a group with someone who's completely different from you. You may be put in a discipleship relationship with someone who is completely different, different walk of life and who doesn't cross every T and dot every I like you do. Um, so we, we really, it, it goes from in, in music and how, how, how the worship service goes. Like we want everyone to be dis, dis, <laughs> uncomfortable at some level because that, uh, that opens more conversations. Yeah. So why, why do we sing, you know, this kind of gospel music, you know, why, why is this, this way? You know, can you explain this black church tradition? Can you explain (laughs) why you are so loud and bombastic (laughs) when you preach? I'm not used to that. Can you explain that to me? You know, and and because of intentional discomfort, we've had really, really good conversations with people um, who don't understand who, who've never had a black leader. Like there are many, many people at uh, our church who, um, have never set under black leadership, so that has um, opened many doors to um, having those conversations and understanding each other on a better level.
0: Mm. I love that man. The intentional intentional discomfort um, mm-hmm. it's so important. You know, like I think of the the phrase that gets thrown around a lot. It's a great phrase: uh, theological triage. You know, like taking mm-hmm. taking the doctrines that are most important, organizing them ar- around around those things. I think we got to do the same thing with first level, second level, third level issues Mm -hmm. of unity. We need to have unity triage and what is most important. Like if everything is a first order issue, whether that's what this person believes about the deity of Christ or uh, what this person believes about who should have won the MVP uh, (laughs) last year, you know, like everything Mm -hmm. it's like our culture has made, everything is a first level issue for some yeah, people
1: mm-hmm.
0: and it has to be in the church of Christ where we say there is one Supreme issue. Mm-hmm. Um, and we, we have one Supreme uh, leader, one, one Supreme news mm-hmm. um, and this is what we are going to be unified around. And so Amen. everything else is, not, this doesn't mean everything else is not important. Mm-hmm. It just means everything else has to fall in line. Yeah. Um, Amen. And so, man, I'm so I'd love to hear just ha- how you're doing that there, um, mm-hmm. at, at the church. Um, you know, this, I think one of the issues that we face is as people have the conversation, whether it's around ethnic diversity, uh, political diversity, um, uh, we can go down, down the list is that sometimes it's not even so much, um, what we're talking about, mm-hmm. but, but how we talk about it. Mm-hmm. Um, what are some ways that you've seen that, you know, we're, we're having the conversation, the right conversation in the wrong way. And how can we how can we
1: do better? So um, in my, my wife is a very private person. So in, in my home, if we have grandparents and or other people around, if something comes up, she may not want to have that conversation. Why? While, while grandpa or or a member of the church is, is, is at our at our home. Um, so we save those conversations difficult conversations as family talks and that got me to thinking like every conversation that we have should not be public um if we truly are a family we say we are a family we say we are not uh, like a family but we are a family that means that there are going to be some times that we have difficult conversations and it's not open to grandparent or mm. cousin or brother or sister in Christ like there's some things we may need to talk about something that um, is very sensitive, something private. So we began framing difficult conversations. So this is right after uh, we were all on uh, house arrest slash lockdown um, during the during the pandemic. This is right after the death of the deaths of Ahmaud Arbery, Breonna Taylor and George Floyd. So I was in our staff meeting. I said, we need to have a conversation as a family to see how people are doing, because you can't we're not seeing each other. We're not talking because everybody's everybody's in the crib. So I said, but we're going to frame it in such a way there's going to be twofold. Um, We're going to have four black members of our church basically express how they're feeling, how they're processing this situation. And just share some stories and I'm gonna kinda of moderate while everybody else listen and then toward the tail end, um, let people ask questions. Because I I wanted our white brothers and sisters to just be in a position of listening for a moment. And I wanted people who I knew were hurting and struggling to be able to process that in a in a safe place, like a family. Yeah. So we did some a similar thing, um, and we've had several similar conversations around politics and whatnot. But I've noticed that these conversations go so much better when there is uh, relational equity. So if I know you are my brother, I know you love me. I know that, and I hate to use the word. Uh, a, a safe space, <laughs> but I know that this conversation is yeah. going to be safe. The a tr- I know trustworthy
0: th- place. Yeah.
1: Yeah. yeah. Facts. I know that, you know, my heart, you know, that I love Jesus. I'm not a quote unquote racist. I may have some blind areas, but you know, I'm not a quote unquote racist. And you can go down the list. Like if, if, if we enter into a conversation and these things have already been established, that conversation goes a lot further than me going back and forth in the comment section. Right. Uh, of somebody else's in a status and a status and other people are reading and other people are liking and other people are chiming in that goes wrong. 1000% of the time. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, so, um, yeah, those conversations in our church, we try to have those conversations where there's already some relational equity already built. So it it's, it, it goes much smoother. So you can be forthright. You can be honest and, yeah, when we had the Zoom talk, it went on. My thought was, oh, it would just be a 45 minutes. It went on for close to two hours. Wow. Um, and there was tears. There was repentance um, because everybody on this call knew each other. They loved each other. They the, the gospel was established. The fact that we're family is established. The fact that none of us have um, <laughs> any kind of ulterior motives. Nobody's trying to, quote, unquote, win. We know each other. We care about each other. Now let's process this. Let's talk through it. And I've noticed that that situation, other situations where I just sit down with a brother um, or sister and just ask, how are you doing regarding the the election? How are you doing regarding these matters? Um, Because that is already established. It goes so much uh, more fruitful than lobbing back and forth on social media Um, or or, just, just to keep it a buck, just going back and forth with folk that you don't know and don't have a relationship with. Right. I am so off that. <laughs> I'm yeah. off that man.
0: Yeah. Nobody has time for that. N- nobody needs that. Uh,
1: yeah. A lot of people do, fam. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Like, they
0: shouldn't have time for that.
1: Hey, what are you doing? What yeah. are you doing? Yeah. It's not fruitful. It's not fruitful. Yes.
0: Yeah. Kind of like the the approach. I think yeah, One, and,
1: and one, one, one more thing. I like. And I and I and I'm just gonna I'm keep keep it keep it uh, 100. That I used to do that. Because in my brain, I'm right 94% of the time. So I'm going to keep going until you realize I'm right. <laughs> mm. But I had to realize this, um, that it's my job to pastor my church. Like it, yeah. It's my job to pastor my people, not to win arguments. That's, right. That's my job. My job is to pastor my church. My job is to lead my people well uh, for the glory of the Lord Jesus, not to win arguments, not to prove a point. And not to be a a champion for these issues. So go ahead.
0: Yeah, no, I, that's that's great, man. I it's like you know at least nobody I'm aware of in X29 has been hired to be the pastor of Facebook. Um, or there's there's no pastor on Twitter. That's um, a crummy no, job. That's a crummy <laughs> job. Now the Twitter and Facebook and Instagram they all need pastors. Um, but, but none of us are hired to do that. Are called Mm-mm. to be that. And I, and I think there are two things that I think would be so helpful. Um, as we have these conversations, and I think you highlighted it so well, is that sometimes we can have an a, an agenda driven purpose.
1: Mm-hmm. I want to win.
0: I want to prove mm-hmm. my points. I want to get my talking mm-hmm. points, and I'm and I'm out. Mm-hmm. But what we really need is the affection driven uh, purpose. That's good, man. Is like mm-hmm. I'm coming with the heart, the love. Mm-hmm. Um, I I want us both to grow in Christ, and I I want to come and be transformed more and more into his image. And so I want to learn mm-hmm. from you and mm-hmm. I, I want you to learn from me. Th- that's really the posture that we have to have, or, or we're just not going to get anywhere. Amen. Um, Amen. Well, Tyler, what would you tell pastors and church leaders who are listening? Uh, Cause you know, we've got X 29 brothers and sisters listening. We've got people all around the world um, that mm-hmm. are listening. And some people think this might just be an, an American church issue. I don't think that's the case no um because as we saw this is an issue in uh, back in uh, in Israel in the first century yeah uh, so this is an issue um, because it's not just ethnic diversity we're talking every kind of diversity so this would right. be an issue in Colombia this would be one in Brazil <laughs> this will be one in Germany um, in Paris um, so what would you tell pastors and, and church leaders um, and church members th- that are listening um, unsure how they could help lead and contribute towards uh, maintaining unity in a diverse church in a, in a divided time?
1: So um, um, first, I would say um, don't idolize diversity. You know, don't don't idolize diversity um, and don't misuse people for diversity's sake. Um, I've seen this happen and boy, does it backfire. (laughs) <laughs> you know, I go into a situation. Ch- it could be church planning. I I go into some type of ministry situation, and my desire is diversity for dis- diversity's sake, right? And it becomes an idol. It becomes an idol, and it becomes something that you a person is pursuing, and they and they misuse and and they misuse and abuse people. Um, so I would say, first, don't make it an idol. Don't don't make it an idol. It's something that it, it it's the heart of God. It's something that we see as an outflow of the gospel. But it doesn't replace the gospel. Amen. Uh, so I, I would say that. I, I would also just say pursue planting a healthy church with healthy relationships, not just diversity for diversity's sake. So mm-hmm. m- our job wasn't just to quote unquote plant a diverse church. We wanted to be a family. We wanted to we wanted to be a, a representation of what heaven is going to look like, uh, Revelation seven, and what our city is becoming. Our, our city is becoming more diverse. Um, more dynamic in that diversity as well. So we wanted our church to look like that. We wanted our church to uh, be a place where people felt welcome and felt at home. But that wasn't the sole reason why we planted a church. We planted a church for the sake of the gospel. And that was an outflow of the gospel. So pursue a healthy church, um, not just diversity. Don't idolize diversity. And um, and lastly, I would say find find a way to... Uh, promote uh, diverse leaders. And and that means, uh, again, ethnic diversity. That means age diversity. That means gender diversity. And not in some weird uh, paternalistic, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, When you promote somebody that's not qualified just for diversity.
0: Oh, uh, well, first half, I thought was the nepotism, but that's not it. Yeah. That's, a fam- that's a family one. Yeah,
1: but yeah, you know, not, it's not more that just like weird.
0: pragmatically like, oh, this is what we're supposed to do. Check the box. Mm-hmm. We got the
1: diversity box. Checked. Yeah, it's it, it's kind of like it's kind of like the NFL with the Rooney rule. You know, a, tr- a lot of churches um, do that. Do the Rooney rule will bring somebody in because they are uh, a person of color or a woman, but really have no true intention of that person. Um, having a seat at the leadership table. Our churches mm-hmm. should not be like the NFL with the Rooney rule. You know what I'm saying? Those coaches, th- those right. teams already know who they're going to hire, but they bring in fill-in-the-blank black candidate just to check that box, and then they move on. Like, no, we should be finding ways to um, have healthy diversity in our leadership. Um, yeah. age Yeah, like the
0: diversity so mannequin.
1: mannequin. Yeah. You say what?
0: It's like bringing in a diversity mannequin.
1: Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm yeah and 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 when that happens um not make that person uh to- that's the that's what i'm looking for not not tokenism not okay. a token not not but someone who legitimately has say at the table you know someone who legitimately has can speak into an issue, not just the woman speaking to a woman's issue or not just the black person speaking to a black the the quote unquote black issues but but them being able to present bring their unique perspective based on who they are uh, and what God has equipped them with. So find healthy ways to uh, produce diversity and leadership and in a way that it is um, not, Oh, here, boom, you know, but the relationship is developed. That person is developed. um, And and it's true, uh, true unity. It's true camaraderie there's friendship there's relational equity there and then they take a role as a leader not just we we plugging you in um, because we need diversity
0: it's mm. a good word man that's a really good word well let's uh, let's let's begin to land the plane make mm-hmm. our make our final descent here our initial mm-hmm. descent uh, with the with the, the top three the final three I guess is what we're calling mm-hmm. it, the speed around questions okay mm-hmm. a great book you've read recently that you'd recommend
1: Ah, just one. <laughs> hey, you can do a couple. We got time. I give you. I give you three real quick. Okay. That is, so, um, this pandemic has, just, <laughs> like most people have, has taken a toll on my heart and my soul. Um, so books that have just really been rich to my heart, ri- rich to my soul. Um, the Preacher's Catechism by Lewis Allen, um, Prayer by A. W. Tozer, mm. and uh, Long Obedience uh, by Eugene Peterson. Oh, those have yes. been ones. Those have been uh, ones that have just been uh, feeding my soul. And I've just been in the Psalms like crazy. Just been in the Psalms like crazy.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So. Yeah. Me too. I just been, um, reading, you know, our, the first guest on the, on the podcast that we had was, uh, Dane Ortland, mm-hmm. And, um, he has a great, Great book. It's called just the, well, it's the, it's the scriptures. It's a devotional Psalter. It's just the Psalms in one volume and mm. h- with him writing a little devotional at the end of each one. And mm. it's really Christ centered and so powerful and helpful. I need but, to check that out. Yeah, man. The ESV devotional Psalter. Um, hmm. And I love mm-hmm. it. And, uh, yeah, Eugene Peterson, man, I love, I love a long obedience in the same direction. Yeah. I'm I'm studying Eugene Peterson right now, mm-hmm. uh, for some PhD work at Southern seminary. And, and so like s- spending time immersed in his writings is so helpful to my soul yeah. too. And so yeah. rewarding. So, man, I love that. I love that you're, you're reading him. Mm-hmm. okay so let's say uh what, what's your go-to order in a coffee shop you know lord willing we're going to be at an x29 conference next year and we're going to walk into a coffee shop together what's what's uh, tyler ordering
1: um am i am, am i a, a bad pastor if i don't drink coffee
0: no man It just am i disqualified it, it means you just you know an area of growth that's all that's all <laughs> that's needed wait are you a tea guy you're getting tea i'm a
1: teetotaler i am a
0: teetotaler <laughs> <laughs> okay what kind of tea are you getting?
1: Man, I'm going to probably grab a green tea or uh, just a green tea with a little honey. You know what I mean? Nothing light. Nothing yeah. heavy. Something light. That's that's, that's how I... Uh,
0: is is, so why do you not like coffee? Do we have time for that? Or do we need just, a part two?
1: Uh, yeah, I just... It never... I love the smell of coffee. I love yeah. the idea of coffee. But it just... Man. Have you ever,
0: have you ever had pour over coffee, like from a, like an Ethiopian bean or Guatemalan, I've single all, origin pour I've over? I've done all
1: with, 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 I have a lot of hipster friends. And okay. I've, so have had hipster
0: coffee. Okay, good. <laughs> well, you know what? what?
1: I'll take, I'll take that. I, like every now and then I'll get just, I'll take that back. I'll get straight espresso, a splash of milk. Okay. If I need that oomph. I'll do all that right. every now and then, but more times than not I'm going to grab some green tea with honey.
0: There you go, man. Hey. You know, everyone must work out their own salvation with fear and trembling, <laughs> and so whatever you got to do. All right, man, we'll we'll, we'll close with this one. Um, your favorite verse and and why?
1: Um, I would say, and I'm gonna try not to preach it, because um, every time I talk about this verse, I feel I feel a little preachy in my soul. Um, I love the tail end of Second Corinthians five. Uh, where Paul first starts talking about uh, how we were compelled by Christ. And then he goes into how we're new creatures in Christ. And then we're now the ambassadors of Christ with the ministry of reconciliation. I love that so much. Um, yeah, I I, I I can just go back to see how God has worked in my life. And it was that I was compelled by the love of Jesus. Uh, when I experienced the gospel the first time, I was like, wow, you love me. Like you love me, love yeah. me. Um, and I, I, felt compelled and I became a new creature and I, I realized that I wanted to spend the rest of my life, uh, representing the Lord Jesus Christ, um, and trying to push back darkness in the city of Detroit. So I love the end of second Corinthians five.
0: Mm, hallelujah. I love it, man. It's a great, great word. Well, Tyler, where if if people wanted to find you on social media, um, and stay and stay connected with what with what uh, the Lord's doing at Cornerstone mm-hmm. Church Detroit in your ministry, where would you send them?
1: So, um, find me on social media while I'm still there. I, been, <laughs> and I'm just joking. Uh, no, it's Tyler P Saint. Uh, Tyler P Saint. I believe that's on all my socials. Tyler P Saint, and our church's website is Cornerchurch313.org.
0: Yeah. Awesome. Thank you Tyler thank, thanks for coming on the x29 podcast today Man, and listeners, my pleasure, bro. yeah thank you and, and listeners you can go and find um, links uh, things that were mentioned, books resources in the show notes to find those all you got to do is just scroll up a little bit there in your podcast app and you'll find the books that were mentioned and also links to Tyler's uh, social media profiles and as well as to x29 And as always listeners and x29 brothers and sisters that are that are listening, let's continue uh, planting diverse churches. Uh, as we are a diverse global family. And let's keep planting churches to the ends of the earth.
1: Amen. Peace.